What's up, guys? This is Brent Sahadi from UFC Unwrapped. You can now listen to us on Anchor and any platform where you find podcasts now. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. And also getting into Sportscaster, which is a YouTube-ish type platform for video to where we can put short videos about sports. Download Sportscaster and we'll be on there soon. Today's a very special day. I have a really fun interview about to go down with former UFC lightweight Leo the Lion Koontz. What up, Leo? Hey, how's it going, Brent? Thanks for having me on. I know we tried meeting up here uh, a time before, and uh, we had a little technical difficulties, but <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to hook up and get this podcast going. Oh, I'm super glad, too, and uh, I know you got a super busy schedule going on, and you're traveling a lot. But, you know, you're, you're super active on Twitter, which is great. Uh, you're actually probably the only fighter that I know. I mean, Nico Price up there, too. But you guys are getting a lot of traction with MMA Twitter, really engaging with the fans, being personable. I can tell you from firsthand experience and speaking on behalf of everyone on MMA Twitter, it does mean a lot to have uh, a former role model and still a current role model. You're on your own thing. I know you got... You're transitioning into the boxing world. We're going to get into that. But you got a lot going on on your end. And I really want to kind of pick you apart. And we're going to get into some of your past too. So uh, yeah, this, is just, this is just this is just a really cool moment. And I'm really excited for people to hear more about your life. More inside the life yeah, of Leo Koons. Yeah, me too. I'd I love to share. I'm pretty much uh, nothing's off the table with me. So um, yeah, you can uh, we can talk about whatever you, whatever you have in mind. Awesome. So, uh, first I want to start by, are you in Coconut Creek, Florida right now, or are you out in... Well, I train at Coconut Creek. I train at the American Top Team out of Coconut Creek. Uh, I actually live in Pompano Beach uh, currently. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be here. Um, uh, one of the other things I got going on is I'm also uh, I'm going to be uh, I'm getting... Uh, um, moving to a new place right now. So I'm in between a move right now. I'm actually going to be going back home to North Dakota for just a little short while, maybe f um, four or five weeks, maybe just a little bit longer because I'm doing another boxing um, boxing bout in Montana on October 12th. Um, my next fight is actually August 30th. Is uh, I, Well, I was scheduled for August 18th, but the card actually... That card fell through, and it sounds like it's going to be August 30th in Utah for a pro boxing debut. Wait, so you have two fights already booked back-to-back? -back? Well, probably even, well, one in August and then one in October, and then I'll be fighting for sure again. I have another boxing, um, another pro boxing bout um, that I was asked to fight on uh, before the end of the year. <clears throat> Possibly two more. Damn, busy so I'm man. trying to stay busy. I've been training hard, and I just uh, we're having a hard time finding the right fight at the moment. It's not problem finding fights, but mm -hmm. it's problem finding a fight that's going to pay me for the opponent that I'm fighting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Get your money, yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, I'm at a point in my career, especially, you you know, once you get out of the UFC, you kind of become a target for other promotions and guys that are up-and-comers, you know, so they want you to come in there and fight against, you know, their tough dude who's going to be 8, 9, 10 and 0, or, you know, 12 and 1 or some shit like that, and they're going to want to pay you nothing to do it because it's going to be on some local show and not on a big card, you know. So that's kind of the point where I'm at right now is, you know, just... We're trying to get the right MMA fight that makes sense. And in the meantime, you know, I can up my stock by um, 
by getting out there winning some pro boxing uh winning some pro boxing bouts and uh you know who knows with how boxing goes uh, i actually had a golden gloves fight before i ever before i ever started any um into any mma at all my first uh my first little foyer into uh the combat sports world was uh golden gloves boxing so <laughs> oh nice so what exactly is the main difference for you at least in training mma versus training boxing uh right now hardly nothing <laughs> to be honest because i'm still you know mma is the end game the sparring, you know, I try to go with guys that are mostly because the gym I train at is not a boxing gym. You know, American Top Team they they they've had some boxers that have fought out of the gym, but it's not uh, you know uh, pro boxing is not the gym's forte. You know, the training is a little bit. I'm still doing all the training like I would be doing for an MMA fight, and then I'm just getting a little bit more boxing work in and stuff like that. So nice, and you're training at Top Team, right? Yep, yep. I train at the headquarters, Coconut Creek. Very cool, man. Well, I'm wishing you luck for those fights. Um, we're definitely going to be promoting those for you on Twitter, too, trying to push that. Oh, that'd be awesome. How can we watch? Yeah. How can we watch those fights? I don't know if you're going to be able to or not because, again, it's going to be small promotions. Um, but I'm sure I'm going to have. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to talk to the promoter and make sure that it's not going to be an issue to post videos and things like that after the fight on my social media networks. So. Very cool. <laughs> That'll um, probably be the best way to watch. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to watch it live. And maybe I'll talk to him and see if they, you know, I doubt he's going to allow streaming just because it's a small. Who knows? They might. They might actually. I don't know. I got to talk to the promoter and find out. So cool, man. Yeah, yeah that'd awesome, be super awesome. fun. So I kind of want to get into. I mean, obviously, former UFC lightweight, right? I want to hear your take on this journey of getting to the UFC. I mean, you were involved in the first and I think the only type of rigged fight situation, and then you weren't in the oh, UFC after that? Yeah, I got cut after that fight, actually, and I actually lost that fight, even though he was supposed to take a dive. <laughs> so, um, but he, what ended up happening is, uh, well, the UFC, they knew the gig was up. I didn't realize this, but uh, with sports betting, the odds are set by the bets that come in. So I actually have two UFC records for a fight, the same fight. One was the largest overnight odd swing because over a million dollars that came in on me to win the fight the night before the fight. And so, and then the second UFC record that I have is, well, the first ever confirmed, and to this point, the only confirmed um, fight fixing incident in the UFC. I'd be, you know, it's a combat sport, money's involved. I'd be surprised, real surprised if it's the only ever issue or even the first ever time that there's been a uh, fight fixing going on in the UFC. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as boxing and things like that, but, um, you know, it's a combat sport. There's money involved. The fighters don't get paid that much. And so, obviously, you had no idea going into this fight what was going on, but... Oh, yeah, we did, for sure, because they came and told us while we're getting our hands wrapped, like a couple hours before we're getting ready to go out to fight, they came and UFC Brass came and talked to me, and, and they also talked to him. The conversation they had with me was quite a bit different, you know? They just kind of explained the odd swing, 
the money came in on me. Well, they didn't even tell me that money came in on me because my corner basically told me that because they understood um, sports betting better than I did. You know, but they basically just said, hey, it's going to be in your best interest to, you know, you go out there. Because they knew it had to be him that was taking a dive because the money came in on me, you know. But they went and they told me that they were having a conversation with him as well, too. So, and I'm sure that conversation was quite a bit different than the one they had with me. And so what was going through your head at that moment? What did you say you were going to do differently? Did you think you're still going to fight a normal fight? Well, yeah, I didn't change anything with my game plan. I just... You know, at that point, I just put it in the back of my head and carried on with what I needed to do, you know, because for me, it was uh, inconsequential, really. I was kind of like, I didn't, I had no idea that it was a major issue, <laughs> you know, so, except my corner knew, my corner knew more, but they talk, they talked to me about it afterwards, you know, because they didn't know, we just, it's just one of those things, we're getting, it's getting my hands wrapped, you know, it's like hours before I'm going to be out there fighting. So how long after the fight was it that you got cut? Oh, it was quite a while before I got the official release notice. A couple months, almost two months. And so did it have, did it have, I mean, this might be a stupid question, but did it have to do with this? No, I don't think so. Nothing that they told me, um, they didn't, you know, at that time, and I think they still, it's not as in quite as enforced now depending on your situation but at that time they were really like all about this two losses in a row and your cut type mentality and that's what happened to me i especially as my i lost my debut and then i lost the next fight neither one of them were really impressive you know i was cutting down to 155 just <clears throat> not a, not a good way for me to be at it was uh what are you weighing right definitely now not well, I'm going to be boxing at 175. Oh, nice, so, nice, okay. About just a little over 190 in the mornings. Oh, so that's what you're walking around at right now? Yeah, um, pretty lean. Quick question, just based off of what might have happened after this fight went down, did you experience anything sketchy going on? I mean, clearly you knew that there was some sort of like mafia involvement on the Korean side going on over this fight, so when it didn't go the way that they wanted it to go, were you scared kind of for your life at all? I mean, you know, me, not really, because I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> you know you know what mm, I mean? Like, right. it was on him to take to take the dive. That's about what was supposed to happen, and I mean, if you're going to take a dive, you know, you can make sure the fight that you lose the fight, but the thing is, is UFC knew the gig was up, and they came and they told both of us, you know, so... And then that put my opponent, Taehyung Bong, in a position well, where now he knows, the UFC knows, that basically that he's taking a dive. You know, they're like, hey. Because they told me, they came up and told me, they're like, hey, look, you had you the largest odds swing overnight. Well, yeah, I you think know? you went from a plus 140 to a minus 400. So for those yeah. who don't really understand sports betting, a plus 140, if I put $100... On Leo, I would have gotten $240 back, so 140 profit. And then he ended up being at a minus 400. So minus 400, you, you have to put down $400 to profit $100. That's a massive, massive swing. And you said it was how much money that was put uh, on I you? I think it came to over a million dollars total in the one night. And Damn. I think it was two separate bets. Damn. One bet made by a... Well, yeah, one bet was made by a... An organized criminal element, and then uh, Taehyung Bong actually put money down on himself too. But I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm sure he didn't put the bet down himself. I'm sure he had somebody make the bet for him. Right. But he later confessed that to the Korean authorities. <clears throat> because he he was scared for his life, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he, uh, he confessed to the Korean police. He actually served 10 months in Korean prison. Oh, man, no way. Yeah. And so did this, anything involving this, affect your relationship with Dana White? I mean, I don't really have a relationship with Dana White. I never spoke with Dana White, you know, one time while I had a contract with them guys. Most guys don't, you know. Usually you're, my manager's doing all that type of work for me and things like that. So, you know, I, and especially at the level I was at, just an entry-level fighter, you don't talk to Dana and things like that, you know. not to, uh, So anyway, do you want to do you wanna take us kind of back in time to how exactly you got into the UFC and maybe even a little bit before that like how did you know growing up this is what you were going to do for a living well I definitely had no idea when I was growing up that I was going to be a mixed martial artist but by the time I got to be probably about 22 I mean it was something I was interested in but I just you know just I was doing other things I was working and all you know going to college for a little while and that's actually when I first got into MMA was in college I wrestled uh, for one year and then uh, I got hurt right away at the beginning of the season I just came in uh, kept coming in and watching practices and then uh, towards the end of the season when I started getting uh, I was pretty much almost completely rehabbed and then uh, well that's when uh, I seen some MMA guys that were uh, training they were using the gym they were using the wrestling room uh, after wrestling practice. They had permission from the wrestling coach uh, uh, to uh, use the mats for MMA. And so I seen that, and I went up talked to those guys. And I only other time I've been on a wrestling mat since is for uh, MMA. <laughs> I mean, I've gone back and trained at my high school, you know, done some wrestling uh, with some of the guys there over Christmas break and things like that when I've been home. But, Fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much after that uh, was when I transitioned out of wrestling and straight into MMA. And uh, it was a mixed journey from there. I got serious in college for a little while, and then I moved, and I moved away from where I was training, and I just I took a fight because the same person that was putting on the shows that I fought for in college called me up and was putting on another show. And then I had to start calling around, and then I found a gym that was training. There was only one place, one group of guys that was training, like, organized training and uh they're really more of a club it wasn't even you know really a gym it was just like a group of guys we were using the judo um we were using the, the same space as a judo gym so it was a judo springboards you know the floor is a little bit different on judo because they do a lot of throwing and things like that so if you got really nice uh good judo floors they're actually like they're kind of springy you know not so that you can like do backflips and stuff like that but they're they cushion your fall and that's actually where I, I first started training MMA once I got back to my little local area and so as an amateur what did it take for you to say you know what this is what I want to do I want to go pro and well, what made you actually do I mean it? I never actually did I've never actually had an amateur career per se because even though you're not making your complete living as a pro, you know, you're still a licensed professional in North Dakota. So my my first fights that I had, they were actually all pro fights. I, ne I never did uh, start an amateur career. But the level of competition that uh, they're fighting at these pro fights in North Dakota at that time, most of the guys are lower-level guys. You know, there are a handful of guys that are, you know, mid-tier guys and, and, and above that. 
you know, most of the guys in those you know, around that time, you know, they were, it was like amateur level fighting, not all of it, but especially in the beginning of my career, in the early parts of my career, I, you know, those guys are, uh, they're guys that are just training out of their gym, a lot of, are training them out of their garage a lot of times, you know, until I started getting, building up some wins and starting, starting to fight serious opponents, but a lot of those guys are flying them in from other places and things like that. There was definitely um, some good, uh, there was a couple good guys, like I said, but I didn't fight them until I was 17, one, you know, uh, 14, 15, and one until I started fighting really higher level uh, competition. And so did it take a lot of convincing for your family to kind of accept that you were going to play punch face for a living? I mean, they really didn't, have a choice you know it's like it's just uh, i mean it got to the point where they, they eventually eventually you know they did uh support me even uh financially and things like that because especially earlier in your career even in the middle parts and late parts of your career when you're not getting when you're not signed with a big organization you just you, you know it's real hard to make it at that level on your own, you got to be working two jobs, three jobs, or have some help somewhere. And so, when was your when was that big break for you? When you were able to quit your other jobs and pursue this, you know, full time? This was your real profession. Uh, I mean, when I got signed by the UFC, it was about the only time that I was really able to quit working. And even at that point, it was like. I still wasn't able to quit working completely right away. I had to have a little odd ends job, things like that, which I, right now I, yeah, I haven't made hardly any money from fighting in the last three years since I got out of the UFC. So that's another issue there too. But I've finally got a position myself now to where I'm at least able, you know, I'm having a lot of, uh, especially my, my family is supporting me a lot right now too, because I'm also, I, well, I've just, I just got licensed as a, as a realtor uh, here in the state of Florida. So that's... Uh, Congratulations. About, thank you, thank you. Was, I mean, it was a little while ago, now, almost eight months, uh, six to eight months ago. I'm not exactly sure. I have to can't look at the calendar and figure it out. But about six to eight months, I've had my uh, real estate license. So I'm still also in a transitioning phase there where it takes a little while to build clientele, to learn the industry, uh, learn the, uh, you know, learn the trade, uh, tricks of the trade and how to get, uh, leads and customers and, you know, how to effectively, effectively sell properties and, and things like that. So, you know, I finally got now to where I've got enough, um, on the job experience and, uh, I've done enough networking marketing to where very soon real estate is to be paying all my bills. So then once that happens, uh, then, then I'm really going to be able to focus a lot, a lot more on training. I, I have been focusing a lot on training about the last six months. Even when I was in the UFC, I was never able to train full time round the clock just because of, I mean, I was, but only for my fight camps. And even my first fight in the UFC, oh, well, my very first fight I had to pull out of due to a uh, rib injury <clears throat> for my first fight. But I took that fight on eight weeks notice. I took that fight because I it was one of those deals where I told my manager I was like hey I, I wasn't making any money fighting and I basically just told the manager like hey listen I gotta get in with a big promotion or you know this just ain't making any sense anymore we gotta get me a fight a big promotion and he did and I made the wrong decision he went um, going down to 155 that was the first time I went down to 155 I never even made a test cut to uh, get down to 155 I just well why'd you, know, you do it had well, at that time, you know, there was guys 
real big guys still were fighting 170, uh, 155, uh, both weight classes. You know, at 155, I was one of the bigger guys in the division, even in even in the UFC. One of the, as far as my height, my re, my reach advantage, things like that. I'm definitely one of not the biggest, but I'm one of the bigger guys, uh, one of the bigger lightweights for sure. But the cut was just, uh, it was just too much for me. And, uh, you know, also at that point, it was just uh, the guys at 170 were, you know, it, well, there's been this trend now, of course, where guys are moving up weight classes, especially since USADA's got right. so serious about the uh, testing. You know, so lots of guys have ended up going up, going up a weight class, and a lot of them are doing better there, too. And uh, so it's just, one of those things where you think you're gaining advantage that's of course naturally why i went down there but then once i actually got to 155 it was like no i'm not not gaining an advantage at all so so how much does it actually affect your chin and your cardio your strength when you're making a cut like that i mean what's your first-hand experience with that and what do you think about weight cutting going on out should they should they force the fighters to stop because i know they're kind of doing like new dehydration tests right uh, I don't know exactly what they're doing with the UFC right now. I don't really follow too closely because I'm not involved with them right now. <laughs> it's hard to say because, you know, guys are going to do what they want to do. But I think what they should do is, uh, I think one thing they need to start doing is educating people more on why not to cut that much weight. What are the, what are the potential negative side effects? of cutting that much weight right. not just not just uh performance related but uh health and wellness related after the fight before the fight for the rest of your life what's the long-term effects you know because i was cutting i, was, I never started a camp under 190 not one time started a camp under 190 pounds and at what you point know? did you start cutting weight exactly to yeah. make that to make that mark of oh, immediately the whole Immediately, once you find out you got the fight, immediately, because I was just uh, cutting too much weight, and I was, I was just cutting too much weight, and, you know, right now, my body percent fat, I'm, I'm like, at, at 155 right now, because I've put on a fair amount of muscle in the last six months, since I've been training pretty much full-time for the last six months without a fight, and, uh, I mean, I've taken a a little bit of breaks here there a week there you know things like that but i mean almost basically been a fight camp for the last six months almost except for my diet you know i'm still eating what i want drinking beer things like that not to oh so you're not doing any sense. type of like vegan or keto or pescatarian type of thing no i used to be keto i i'm an intermittent faster and that'll be now me too, for the me rest too. of my life <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's so the truth it's the truth my body functions yep. so much better like this yeah yeah, so I, I, I do intermittent fasting. I don't always have the, my windows some days are 10 hours, you know, but I almost never eat before noon, uh, except on certain training days. Then I'll have meal and, and uh, cream and butter and, and uh, maple syrup or something like that. What's, like you said you have a family, right? I don't know too much about your personal life on that level. Can you tell us a little bit about your family, like your immediate family? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as immediate family goes, I, you know, uh, my mom, my dad, they're up in North Dakota. Uh, my sister, uh, that's pretty much my immediate family. She's, well, I got a, two nephews and a niece as well, and they're all back, uh, back in North Dakota, and quite a few aunts and uncles. There was originally 12 siblings of my dad's family. Uh, there's nine uh, surviving now yet so yeah. uh 
Yeah, yeah. So it's still it's still a large family. Yeah, family gatherings were were pretty uh, pretty memorable um, instances when I was young because most of the family still lived within traveling distance for a day. So during Christmas and especially especially no uh, especially Thanksgiving and Christmas because it's Thanksgiving time is deer season that's big doings back there in North Dakota especially when you're a rural small rural family you know when I was young well, we'd still butcher hogs and, and geese and whatever everything that my grandma was was raising out at the farm you so know cool. chickens all that stuff yeah so we'd even we'd just we'd do the butchering right there and people would uh, pack all the stuff and then they'd bring their deer with and they'd make sausage butcher for the hogs, all that type of stuff, you know, they do it all by hand, you know, at the, at the just like they did when they were young, you know, because uh, my, my dad grew up, uh, when he was, the first house he was in, they didn't have running water, and he's 70 years old, but, but the first house that they, yeah, the very first house he grew up in, they didn't, he lived there until he was five or six, they didn't have running water. Wow. So yeah, it was a little different in rural North Dakota in the 19, you know, out of the 1950s, to, uh, the early 1950s when he was uh that's when he would have been living at that house he was born in 1950 so so do you uh right now do you like have a girl your guy or kids or no no i'm just uh i'm just pretty much uh just worrying about me right now um uh it's uh you know i mean i'm living here in south florida there's tons of girls everywhere but i, I just i really don't get out and do a whole heck of a lot no, and i'm just uh, no tinder you know, nothing pretty, like that I messed around with some of those dating apps for a little while. I went on, hooked up with this one chick who's a little bit older than me. I mean, we were actually like, you know, trying to be serious and things like that, and it just didn't work out. And I was like, you know, and it was kind of, it was me, really. It was just because it was like, uh, it just ain't what it, it just ain't what I thought it was. You know, even after we were seeing each other for, you know, a couple months, about a month, a little bit. Yeah, no, it was about a month, and I broke off right away because I just, uh, you know, just knew it wasn't it wasn't gonna work. It wasn't gonna last. And yeah, well, I mean, I just knew it was. Uh, she was into me more than I was into her, and I mean, for me, it was really just. I just knew it was one of those things where I was, I was just. She was just passing my time, and I was like, I when someone does that to me, so for sure, you know, pretty much. Yeah, I was just basically like, hey, I'm sorry, but this is. Uh, this is what's going on. <laughs> so you're single and ready to mingle that, right now, huh? That, that com yeah, oh yeah. And so that conversation, it never goes well. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, where, so where can the girl followers find you at? At Leo Lion MMA, yeah, yeah. Getting those DMs, ladies. They're, they're wide open. There you go. I love. So you got any, uh, do you have any relationship advice for any young men like me? Like, I'm 24 right now. Uh, 24 what do you gotta Don't say get married. To, yeah no 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 i'm no. kidding i'm kidding i'm just kidding totally hey for like, me, i got haven't seen my parents divorce the way they did that's not really in my book. That, that's what i'll tell you is don't knock some chick up that that one i can tell you for sure that's uh <laughs> that's game changer unless you have already whatever nah. <laughs> you know what i mean but you have already right no 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 i'm chilling oh okay yeah don't don't knock some chick up get married first plan it out you know i'm not saying it's like a life ruiner or anything like that but it's the whole game changes you know what I have mean? you Once been you there pretty, 
No, no, not me. But I know plenty of friends who have, and I've, you know, I've, I've seen it uh, happen many times to friends, family, yeah. all that type of stuff. And you know, of course, afterwards, you know, people, uh, it's always a, you know, it's always a great thing uh, on one side of it. You know, especially you bring in another person into the world, and you know, but it, it, it's, it, it's a game changer. You know what I mean? Whatever plans you might have had going, they're like they're gonna change. Once you have a kid. And, yeah, for uh, sure, for so. sure. So, what is your like? What's your game plan with that? Are you eventually gonna want to settle down, have kids? Uh, I mean, I would if I met the right girl. But I mean, you You're know, at this point, it. I'm I'm not really too actively pursuing anything. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I just I got other things I'm worried about and concerned with more in my life right now finding a chick and, and, and that type of stuff. So I'm finding a, a girlfriend, I should say. And so right now you're spending most of your time living where? Well, I live permanently in, in Florida, uh, Pompano okay. Beach, Florida. That's where I live, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm going to be going back home for a short time before this boxing match just uh, to help uh, help promote the boxing match. And then also I have some, some uh, commitments that I made there um, for work and things like that. So I'm, I'm going back to do not not, uh, not uh, real estate, but masonry. I'm also a mason, not Freemason, but like a mason, someone who works with stone, brick, blocks, oh, uh, shit. that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can build you a fireplace, a brick house. Oh, hell yeah, shit. I might have, I might have to hit you up with that. That probably helps a lot with your uh, with your real estate career too, huh? It actually does. Yeah, it does because uh, well, just having the building experience and all that type of stuff certainly helps uh, when it comes to real estate for sure. Just knowing the ins and outs of the trade and and uh, the ins and outs of the home building industry and all that type of stuff, and and, and especially when we're looking to buy property, assessing properties, all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, for I sure. Have a good eye for that type of thing. Hey, I got to hook you up with my mom. We're based out of LA, but my mom just got her real estate license too. She's single, you know. Oh, know. yeah. Nice. Maybe, nice. uh... <laughs> 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 I, I, I like where your head's at. I hey, like you seem like a cool guy, you know? Out. I wouldn't be mad yeah. at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, even even uh, just from a business standpoint, uh, referrals are always good, too. And then uh, people in L.A., from Florida to L.A., you know, there, there are uh, quite a few people that are making that transition both ways. Just, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. You know, because both places are, are busy, um, happening places for you know lots of different types of people entertainers uh business executives investors business owners you know all those types of things um you know those are those are good areas for for many industries so in case uh my mom and i decide to take a trip out to florida to your area what's some cool stuff to do for uh, also for our fans and our listeners that live in florida yeah. just like tell us tell us what's good well, I mean, it really depends what you're trying to get into. There's lots of stuff that you can get into in, in South Florida. Um, really, it just it depends. Of course, you know, they're probably most known uh, for their party and nightlife scene, especially once you get down into Miami Beach and those um, those types of areas, which are, you know, a little more Vegasy without the gambling. But, uh, you know, touristy places, super busy, touristy, uh, lots of high-end clothing and 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 uh, and uh, uh, restaurants and clubs and and those types of things strip clubs that never close here in florida never close is that, your, is that your thing or 
No, no. I mean, uh, it used to be years and years and years ago. Uh, it was uh, a thing of mine. But now it's 10 years ago when I was in my early 20s. That was a thing that I was into uh, with strip clubs and things. But that was, but that was in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I was living at that time, which has the highest, the highest per, at that time, they had the highest, um, the most strip clubs per capita. So per the amount of people. No way. Portland. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess what yeah. else are you going to do when it's freezing cold outside? Yeah, well, right. it's so gray there. The weather is super gray for a good part of the year. And then, you know, they have a small season where it's really, really nice. It, it never, I mean, it gets cold, but it's a different type of cold there because it's, um, it gets a lot colder in North Dakota, but the, the temperature wise, but the cold there is wet during the winter time mm. too. Cause it's, it's like, it's just, warm enough to where it snows but then it usually melts quickly there's usually not a ton of snow accumulation mm -hmm. in the area where i was living in uh, portland uh, oregon area vancouver washington area uh, but when it when it rains and instead of snow a lot of times you'll get sleet because it's just it's just the, the the weather conditions there that's just you know Damn, it's yeah, must, like rain it's like rain that freezes on the way down Damn, that's so <laughs> instead shitty. of snow yeah it comes down as rain and then it turns into like by the time it's hitting the ground it's freezing and creating ice they're all over everywhere i've had times where i come out and can't get into my car Damn, no way. Of, yeah because there's a sheet of ice over the Shit. whole fucking car so you like can't open the door because it's iced fucking shut. I've never, I've never been to Korea, but you did go to Korea to fight in a, a fight organization out there, right? After UFC, yeah. Yeah, well, and one UFC fight I also had in Korea as well. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, yep. My first, my first, well, second uh, UFC fight was in Korea. So, well. did you get to spend some time and kind of just explore the area? And do you have any cool stories from Korea? Uh, I mean, not like any super cool stories from Korea. Um, I mean, I, I have family there, too. I'm half Korean. Uh, so I actually have a grandma there and also a cousin there. So oh, that, that's, yeah, yeah. We spent most of our time hanging out with them uh, while I was after the fight. Before the fight, of course, it's a little different because especially the amount of weight that I was cutting is just uh, the whole week coming up to the fight is just, it's just, it's just terrible. I don't. I, I can't do anything. Can't be around anybody. It takes everything that I had to just make the weight. Aside from aside from making weight, all I do is lay in the bed because I just uh, nothing. No energy. No no desire to do anything besides make weight and, and eat, and drink. Yeah. Yo, I was gonna ask you the so your nickname the lion. What's the story behind that? That nickname goes back actually, uh, actually quite a ways. Um, well, my name's Leo, you know, so obviously there's there's the lion. A, a astrological. Yeah, yeah, that goes Leo the lion for many things. Astrological sign is probably the biggest thing, cause, you know, with the Leo, and then um, Leo the lion, and then also our high school mascot was the lions, the lion as well, Linton, the Linton lions. Uh, that was our, my high school mascot. So I was a lion for a long, long time, all through high school and uh, all through elementary school, everything. And <laughs> that's sure. what happened is, yeah, yeah, and actually what happened is an announcer that uh, knew me 
uh, from high school sports just announced, started announces me, started to announce me as the lion, uh, and he just did that on his own for a fight and just stuck. So. <laughs> Yeah, nice. The sick. I mean, it's a sick nickname. Like, who doesn't want to be called the Lion? That shit's scary. Yeah, no, it, it's great actually. So, yeah. You're gonna keep it for your boxing uh, matches too, yeah? Oh yeah, of course. Nice. Of course. It's my it's my moniker, man. I'm the Lion, bro. <laughs> I love it. Yo, so I'm gonna get this episode uh, live for people before UFC 241 around that time. Uh, awesome. Before I let you go, you down a. Give me your pick on a couple fights, maybe a little breakdown. Yeah, don't uh, don't uh, don't bet money on my picks though, because uh, <laughs> I'm so biased. I just I pick everybody who's trains at American Top Team, and the rest of them I just pick who I like more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fair, so fair. Don't fair. bet on these. Don't bet on these picks. All right. <laughs> all right, so we'll pick some. I'll I'll name a fight. If you don't want to give me your pick, we can move to the next one. But I'll just pick some oh, from okay. the main card if that's chill. Yeah. Gabriel Benitez versus Sodik Yusuf. That's a featherweight uh, fight. I'm gonna go with uh, Yusuk. What's your? How do you think he wins? Boy, you know I haven't watched enough. I haven't watched either one of those guys enough to know for sure. But I'm gonna just go with a guess and say rear naked choke. All right, for sure. So there's pick number one from Leo the Lion, Sodik Yusuf by rear naked choke. And uh, the next fight, so Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. Oh, well, Yoel, Yoel Romero, uh, for sure, is going to win that one. For sure. He should be a much bigger He should be a much bigger favorite in this fight, in my opinion. Yeah, well, he's a bad, bad dude. Uh, uh, strong as they come, and, and mean as they come, and, and, and nice as they come, all, all wrapped up in the same package right there, so... Uh, Whoever's, whoever's going against him is going to have a bad, bad night. And uh, I see that coming by way of strikes or one way or the other. So TKO somewhere. Yeah, it's a three-rounder, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next fight, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz. Ooh, now this one is interesting. That's one. what I'm saying. Boy, I like Pettis, to be honest. I like Pettis, I too. Nate, he's just never out of the fight, though. The thing either, he's never out. He's never out. He's no matter who he's fighting. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have. He's got a chance to win. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go with Pettis though on that one. Even though I like Diaz and I don't want to count him out on the fight at all. Uh, I just, uh, I think Pettis is. He's, he's another one of those guys. Went 55. Now he's up at 70. Looking good at seventy, fighting good at seventy. Looking real good uh, at one seventy. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, I like Pettis with this one. Yeah, I gotta go with Pettis too. Even though the fight is three rounds, I think that works in the favor of Pettis. I think he is a slow starter, but I think Diaz is a little slower. And uh, also, yeah, I think Diaz. I think the longer the fights go, the better for him. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And this three round, not always just because of his cardio, but just. You just don't quit. He won't quit. You're gonna have to break him. And I think uh, he likes being bloody and, and cut up. And you a, know, a lot more than we've seen force. Pettis like to be in those positions. I mean, nothing against Pettis. Yeah. He's taken a lot of damage. The thing is, though, is Pettis can hold a ground game. I don't think he's gonna get submitted. We actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, he actually submitted Charles Oliveira, who's a submission artist. 
he actually submitted that guy, and uh, I think he's going to keep this one on the feet. I think he's going to probably throw a little bit more volume than Diaz, have a little bit better movement. Um, you think he finishes Diaz, or you think it's just going to go to a decision? I don't know. Diaz is a tough dude to finish. Uh, yeah, boy, I mean, I don't know. Because actually, if I if it goes the distance, I think that it's more going to be Diaz's fight. You know, if it goes the full distance, I think uh -huh. it's more more plays into his advantage. But at the same time, I don't really see him getting finished either. So it's same. it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's you know, up in the air. It might go to the judges, who knows. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because Pettis did to Wonderboy what Woodley couldn't do to Wonderboy in two fights. So, uh, yeah. it's crazy, man. Anthony Pettis is, is looking real good. I'm excited for that fight. Uh, we'll move on to the last fight. It's for the heavyweight title, the rematch between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Mm, well, I like Stipe, but I don't think he's going to win. I think uh, Cormier is, uh, and Cormier is is too much Olympic <coughs> level wrestler. <laughs> For sure, and Andy boxing is just looking better every fight, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's a bad dude, and uh, he's got you know all the pieces there together. He's got. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad, bad dude. So I see uh, going, uh, going, going for DC there. And you think he finishes Stipe again? Yeah, I mean it's 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 likely. Yeah, it's real likely. He's a well, he's a bad dude. So uh, I, I don't think it goes. You know, those heavyweights, uh, those guys are you know they're built for finishing. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, all right. I appreciate I appreciate the breakdown. We t we covered a lot of good topics. I mean, we went from like relationship advice to fight picks to your life story. What's don't next knock for your girlfriend you? up, guys. Yeah, guys, don't knock your girlfriend up. W wise, wise right. words from Leo Kuntz. <laughs> Let people know where they can find you. It's at Leo Lion MMA, correct? Yeah, at Leo Lion MMA. That's my Twitter handle. Um, verified on Twitter, so you'll know it's me. And then uh, I'm sure you use I'm that as a pickup line with the ladies too. Yeah. You're oh yeah, it works every time. <laughs> every time you should be like, I'm Twitter verified. Goals, bro. You know, a lot of times you got to pull your phone out and show them <laughs> you do your good. So, but uh, I'm also on Instagram. That's at King Koontz is my Instagram handle. Uh, I'm not verified on there, but you'll know it's me because I just told you. Uh, so get on there and give me a follow there uh, as well. And uh, I'm, I'm interactive and I follow back uh, on both platforms. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, but that's, I don't really, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I don't do much on Facebook anymore. Uh, more for business and things than, than anything else. But uh, yeah, get at me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, as you know, I like to be active, especially on, on my Twitter platform. Uh, I'll be out chopping it up with you guys and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I love it. You're super interactive. You stay involved. Uh, you do giveaways too, which I think is a beautiful thing. You've I've seen you do giveaways for your fight gear. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a continued thing that'll happen all the time, all throughout the rest of my career, so. Awesome, I love it, man. Stay tuned, Do you want to get free fight shit, follow me on Twitter. Dope, and I hope we can uh, keep in touch, I, I wish you luck in your future fights, and maybe in like seven or eight weeks from today, we can get you back on, we can talk about, yeah, of course. we can talk about how the, the first fight went at least, or maybe we can talk after the second one, and see what's good with you yeah. from there um i'm gonna hit you with the dm later with uh my mom's oh, info i'm gonna set you guys up <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you bud 
I love well, it. Good looking. Good looking. Hey, good yeah, looking, I got Brent. you, man. Just uh, I, got, I got some. I got some cousins. Uh, there, there might be a little bit older than you, but oh, uh, let's go. I Age mean, is just a number, baby. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they can they can hit me up at UFC Unwrapped on Twitter too. I'll follow them back. I'll stay awesome. involved. I promise. I'm a good dude too. You seem very kind-hearted. So. Yeah, you too, Brent. This has been uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad you had me on. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to being back on again. Hey, Leo, the pleasure's mine, man. Really, I I just appreciate you making the time for it. I know you got a lot going on, and uh, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear a little bit more of who you really are as a guy. They see some of your character on Twitter, but they're gonna see a lot more of your character on this podcast, and I'm stoked to get it out, bro. Yeah, me too. Uh, once it drops, uh, you know what to do. Get in my DMs. Let me know. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it through my channels, and we're gonna we're gonna get it out to Twitter MMA for sure. They're gonna they're gonna know about it. So dope, dope. Let's do it. All right, man. I hope you have a good rest of your night. Um, I don't know if you've had dinner yet, but I know you wake up real early. So I don't know what time you yeah, go to sleep. What's your schedule like exactly? Because you hit me with a DM at like six a.m. or something crazy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm pretty much up every morning by about six, and on different nights I go to bed at a different time. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty whipped today because my training schedule's uh, uh, going pretty full swing. I just got uh, within the last couple of weeks. I just got back. I don't do full contact sparring all that much anymore unless I have fights coming up. Just because you know I'm 35 years old, I've had my bell wrong. I, I don't need to be uh, tested to see if I if I can handle For getting sure. hit by guys. So I'm at the point now to where I'm more concerned about, you know, um, the longevity of my career, the yeah. condition of my body. And, you already know you can fight. You don't need to. Yeah. Keep, yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep it so I'm doing skills training and I do spar, but I just, I just got back into it here and things like that again, uh, recently. And the sparring's actually changed a lot at the gym. Uh, it used to be very old school style, uh, you know, to where like every, every sparring session was like a real fight. And I think that's one nice thing about the gym now is they've, they've, you know, we've gotten to a point now with the sparring, but then that's a really, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not uh, going after, you know, any certain demographics or anything like that, but it's just, you know, it's just the way that it is, especially with the old school Brazilian mm. uh, tradition in MMA and, and other combat sports. It's like, the, you know, there's this uh, type of uh, mentality where, you know, you have to be in there banging it out, slugging it out, you know, and uh, really it's, it's that they've, you know, the sport's gotten to a point now to where people realize that that's really not helping uh, many of these fighters anymore, and in fact, oftentimes it's doing the opposite, shortening mm. their careers, missing fights due to injuries, uh, all these types of things, yeah. so that's one nice thing at the gym where it's, where it's, uh, uh, the coaching staff and things like that have gotten to the point now to where they're making sure that the sparring sessions are, are beneficial for everybody involved instead of just uh, one-sided ass beatings or even even mutual ass beatings. <laughs> right, yeah, just, you know, stay healthy, uh, keep got, taking care yeah. of your body, man, like, stay That's on right. stay on that right track, and I'm glad you're, because a lot of people, they don't really care, they're just like, I'm a fighter, and they're going to go in there, and they're going to put their chin on the line every time, so I'm glad you're yeah, looking no, at it from a more intelligent approach, man. Well, I, yeah. it wasn't always like that, you know, I, I did used to have the other mentality, but now, you know, age is catching up to me, I don't heal like I'm 18 anymore, because sure. I'm not, you know, so those types of things uh, all come into play as well. Dope. Well, alright, Leo, man, you gave me a, a an hour of your time. Super, super thankful about it. We're going to keep in touch. 
I'll hit you with the DM soon. We'll get this podcast up and going and let people know more about Leo the Lion Coons. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it, Brent. That's awesome. Um, thanks for having me on. This has been awesome. The pleasure is mine. Have a good rest of your night, Leo. We'll keep in touch. You too, Brent. All right, guys. That was uh, former UFC lightweight and future boxing icon, Leo the Lion Coons. Follow him on Twitter at Leo Lion MMA. Uh, follow me on Twitter at UFC Unwrapped, and make sure that you can find our podcast anywhere you want. You can either go to Anchor directly, you can go to uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, we're there. My name's Brent Sahadi. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys soon. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. I'll follow back, and I'll stay engaged with you guys. You guys mean the world to me. Peace.